The Christian faith is based on the miraculous. It's what separates our faith and doctrine from all others. Jesus was not just a good teacher. He was a miracle worker. You wouldn't have much of a Bible at all if you removed all of the miracles. Can you imagine reading the scripture if all the miracles were missing? Let's go in order as the scripture starts in the Old Testament and look at the miracles. Creation was a miracle. Enoch's translation was a miracle. Noah's ark and his family's salvation was a miracle. Abraham and Sarah gave birth to a child when they were both too old for it to happen naturally. It was a miracle. Isaac, their son, sowed in a land of famine. And in the same year, in the same cycle of famine, he reaped 100-fold return. It was a miracle. His son, Jacob, wrestled with an angel. It was a miracle. Joseph, his son, went from the prison to the palace because God gave him a miraculous gift to interpret dreams. The children of Israel were emancipated from Egyptian slavery by a miracle. The Red Sea parted. The children of Israel survived 40 years in the wilderness by miracles. Manna falling every morning, quail blowing in in the evening, and water coming out of a rock that followed them. They took their promised land by a miracle. The walls of Jericho fell down flat. You wouldn't have an Old Testament without miracles. A New Testament starts immediately with more miracles. Jesus' conception was a miracle. He started his earthly ministry by turning water into wine. It was a miracle. Never forget that. His ministry didn't start with a message. It started with a miracle. He healed the sick. He raised the dead. He cast out evil spirits. He multiplied the fish and the bread. He walked on water. He paid the taxes for the disciples with a coin found out of a fish's mouth. He's a miracle worker. Can you imagine your New Testament without miracles? Then why would you worship that God and read that kind of Bible? And not expect God's miracles to break out in your life. I want to tell you today that in 2019, God wants to prove to you that he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Old Testament, New Testament, and now he is still a miracle worker. And if you need a miracle, I know a God who works them over and over and over and over again. If he is anything, if his name means anything, if his presence has any defining characteristic, it is this. He is a miracle worker. And there are four things that miracles are often coupled with. And I want to share those with you really quickly, and then we'll go open some presents. Number one, miracles are coupled with messes. Miracles are coupled with messes. 
we're often so distracted by all of the beauty of the Christmas story that we don't notice the messiness of it. Here's a quick rundown of the highlights of the messes of the Christmas story. Number one, it starts with an unplanned pregnancy. Anybody ever have one of those? Don't raise your hand. Unplanned pregnancy. Number two, talks of divorce. Number three, taxation requiring immediate payment. Number four, no room for them in the end. And finally, the last mess was they were a target of Herod's assassination plot. Yes, Jesus' birth was a miracle, but it happened in the middle of a whole lot of mess. God often uses the mess in our lives to fertilize the soil of our soul for his promises. I'm going to say that again. God often uses the mess in our lives to fertilize the soil of our soul for his promises. And if you're going through a messy situation this morning, I want to tell you the purpose for the mess. It's just fertilizer. If you're going through a mess in your family or your finances or your health or in any capacity of your life, I want to tell you what the mess is. It's just fertilizer. Anybody have any fertilizer dumped on you recently? Some more than others. But the fertilizer... Somebody had a lot of mess dumped on them. The fertilizer prepares your soul. It prepares your mindset to receive the promises of God. Look at the miracles in the scripture that are tied to a mess. Do you remember Naaman, the great captain of the army? He was a leper. Prophet told him, you can be healed of your leprosy. Just go dip seven times in the messy Jordan. The Jordan River collected the sewage of the community. So to go down into the Jordan River meant to go down into a mess. But Naaman went and he dipped seven times in a messy situation and came back up with his healing because miracles and messes are coupled together. You remember the blind man that Jesus came up to? Blind man just wanted his healing. Jesus spits in the dirt and makes mud, then takes the mess that he made and puts it on the man's eyes. And then the man washed and was healed because miracles and messes are coupled together. Finally, you remember Lazarus. When Jesus showed up four days late, they said, Lazarus is dead. He said, take me to the tomb. They took him there. He said, roll the stone away. They said, no, Lord. It's been four days in the hot, arid climate of the Middle East. It's a decomposing body. By now, he's stinking. It's a mess. He said, roll the stone away. And he began to speak words of life into the mess of their situation. And Lazarus that was dead came forth living because miracles and messes are coupled together. Your mess is the sign. If you're in a mess this morning, a mess in your marriage relationship, a mess in your finances, a mess with your children, if you're in a mess then your mess is the sign that you're fertile soil for God to bring his promises into. Number two, miracles and mentors are coupled together. In our context, in Luke chapter 1, verse 35, the angel said, actually verse 36, the angel said, Behold thy cousin Elizabeth. 
she hath also conceived a son in her old age, and this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. This answer from the angel was in response to Mary's question when the angel told her she was going to be pregnant with the Son of God. She said, how can this be, seeing that I've not been with a man? And she was overwhelmed with the news of this, and she was overwhelmed at the prospect of giving birth without ever going through the natural process to give birth. And the angel allayed her fears by telling her, not only are you encountering a miraculous child, but your cousin also, who's older than you, is going through the same miracle process that you're going through. Because with God, nothing is impossible. And when Mary hears about her cousin, she's encouraged. Elizabeth was older. She was wiser and was six months ahead of Mary in the process. She was a mentor. God will assign mentors to you who have already walked in the process you're trying to walk in. And mentors are qualified to speak into your life because they've already walked out what you're walking in. In verse 39, it says, And Mary arose in those days and went into the hill country with haste. And I just wanted you to notice this. Notice that Mary had to go up into the hill country. Because mentors elevate your perspective because to get to them, you have to go up. And I want to encourage you to stop feeding yourself on the knowledge of people who are on your same level or beneath you. You need to feed yourself on the knowledge of somebody that makes you go up. And I want you to notice how Elizabeth immediately begins to nurture Mary's faith for her miracle. Look at verse 42. I mean, Mary comes in and says, hello, and this is Elizabeth's response. She spake out with a loud voice. Somebody came up to me today and said, why are you always so loud? I got scripture for it right there. She spake out with a loud voice. And look what she said. Blessed art thou among women. And blessed is the fruit of your womb. Elizabeth doesn't mention any of the mess or the trouble of Mary's situation. She doesn't have her come in and say, darling, tell me all about what's going on. When Mary walks in, Elizabeth starts telling her and reminding her and putting the right perspective in her mind of just how blessed she is. Yes, she's in a mess, but she's also blessed. It's possible to be in a mess and be blessed at the same time. But it's also possible possible to be in so much of a mess that you have ignored how blessed you really are. And that's when you need a mentor, somebody that's older and wiser, been, a, been ahead of you longer in the miracle process to look at you and remind you, hey, snap out of it. You're blessed. And I just want to tell all of you that are going through messy situations, some of you have been in a mess all this month. I want to remind you, you are blessed. You may have some trouble, you may have some difficulty, you may not have as much money as you want, but you are blessed. 
Look at your blessed self with your eyes working and your ears working and your kneecaps working and that car that you drove in here complaining. Look at your blessed self with that roof over your head and food in your refrigerator. Look at your blessed self with a refrigerator. A third of the world doesn't have a refrigerator. You are blessed. Look down at your shoes that you decided which pair to put on this morning. That's a sign that you are blessed. Look at your children and your family. It's a sign that you are are blessed. I don't want to sound arrogant, but it's blessed that you got to come to this church this morning with this kind of worship and this kind of environment in this beautiful city with paved roads. It's a blessing to be you. You are. Push three people. Tell them you are blessed. Three of them say you are blessed. And she says, look at what she says. Verse 44. She says, for lo, as soon as the voice of thy salutation, or as soon as I heard your greeting in my ears, the baby in me leaped for joy. I want to get on this really quickly about mentoring. The mentoring relationship is not one way. A lot of people think think it would be. But the mentor gets as much out of mentoring as the mentee does. When you're so full that you're about to run over, you are desperate to find somebody that can receive the knowledge and the ability and the gifts that you have. And not everybody can. So a lot of times mentors walk around in pain because they're so full and they're looking for a qualified recipient to be able to pour what's in them out. And I want you to notice the reciprocity in the text because <clears throat> Josephus records, now this is not in the scripture. It's, it's not, uh, not in the scripture, but it's just something that the scripture is quiet on. But Josephus records, and he's a very trusted biblical historian. Josephus records that Elizabeth had movement in her belly for about four months. But that the last two months before Mary's visit, that there was stillness. And they were afraid that the baby had died and would be stillborn. She hadn't felt the baby kick. She hadn't felt the baby move. There had been no fluttering. But when Mary came pregnant with Jesus, and when her voice reached Elizabeth's ears, and Mary reached over and hugged her cousin. When they came together, something that hadn't been moving on the inside of Elizabeth started jumping up and down. So Mary was ministering to Elizabeth, and Elizabeth was ministering to Mary, and in the reciprocity, there was life breaking forth. And there's a point there. It's in your reciprocity, not only giving out and not only taking in. It's in the cycle of reciprocity that life breaks forth. And I want to challenge you to look in your life for those areas that you can be reciprocal. Look for the mentors that you can receive from. And then also look at what you can give and what you can add. Anytime you go into an environment, go into a company, go into anything in the community, always look not just what you can take, But always look for what you can add. Anytime I go into a room, a thought that prevails in my mind, one of my mentors taught it to me is, what can I add to this room? 
And if you find yourselves in rooms that you can't add anything to, you're in the wrong rooms. So the reciprocity of the mentor-mentee relationship caused life to break forth. And then she says, verse 45, and blessed is she that believed. I'm going to read that again. It's so powerful. And blessed is she that believed. You are blessed the moment you believe that God will do what he said he would do. Blessed is she that believed, for there shall be a performance of those things which were told her from the Lord. And I know a lot of you have promises from God hanging over your head. Promises from God that you received many years ago or that you received through his word. Promises that have not yet come to fruition. I want to take those words off that page and speak them over your life. There will be a performance of those things which the Lord has told you. There will be a performance over your family of those things which the Lord has told you. There will be a performance of that healing which the Lord has promised you. There will be a performance of that elevation and that strength which the Lord has promised you. There will be a performance. If you believe that, give the Lord a hand in the house this morning. Number three, miracles and movement are coupled together. Everybody say miracles and movement. Shortly after the birth of Christ, King Herod hatched a scheme to have him assassinated. An angel warned Joseph that they would have to move to Egypt in order to survive. Early on in the miracle process for Mary and Joseph, they were constantly being moved by the situations of life. First, they had to move from Nazareth to Bethlehem to pay an unexpected tax. Now they're having to move again to escape Herod's plot. Situations were constantly moving them. And I don't know what situations have moved you this year, but it hurts when life forces movement. It hurts when situations and problems force you to move. Maybe you had to move out of a house that you wanted to stay in. Maybe you had to move out of a car that you couldn't afford to keep. Maybe you had to move out of a job that you were happy in but you got fired. Maybe you had to have movement in your life because of a health condition or something unexpected that happened. Maybe you had to move out of a family relationship through the divorce that you didn't want. But whatever has caused movement in your life, I want you to remember this. God is sovereign. And his purpose overrides the movement that life brings. And no matter how you've been moved, no matter what has moved you, no matter how frustrating and painful it can be, I want you to know that God has not canceled his purpose over your life and the movement cannot stop your purpose. I want to remind you that it, it had been prophesied and promised that Jesus would be born in Bethlehem. 
So God allowed the entire world to be taxed just to move Mary and Joseph into the right place. I want to tell you, it was God's will for them to live in Egypt for a few years. So God allowed Herod to make that threat to move them where his purpose had destined them to be. And whatever's moved you this year, I want you to know where you're at right now is in the purpose of God. Romans 8.28 says, all things work together for the good of them that love God and are called according to his purpose. If you love God and if you are called according to the purposes and the things of God, that you have a guarantee. It may not be good. It may not look good. It may not feel good. But it will ultimately work for your good because you are inside of the purpose of God. And people can't take out the purpose. Problems can't take out the purpose. Situations and sickness can't take out the purpose. Death threats can't take out the purpose. The purpose of God overrides it all. And there might have been some movement, but you're still on purpose and you're still on time. Finally, number four. Miracles are coupled with more than enough. Say that with me. Miracles are coupled with more than enough. All while Mary was going through the mess, needing a mentor, and suffering from the movement of her situations, God was speaking to wise men in the east, telling them to travel and take gifts with them of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. There was a gift of more than enough a miracle of more than enough traveling on its way to Mary and Joseph that they didn't even know about. And I sense this. I want to speak this over you. There's a miracle coming of more than enough that you don't even know about. I want to speak to business people, people that own your own business. I sense this. I want to tell you, please remember when it happens. There's a windfall coming, a huge opportunity, a huge partnership, a huge connection, a huge open door. It's coming. It's heading its way to you, and you don't even know about it yet. While you're struggling in your situations and dealing with the mess and the movement of life, God has something coming down the road looking for you that you haven't even got to yet. And when it comes, it will be more than enough. If you research God's miracles throughout the scripture, they have one primary characteristic. When God brings the miracle, it's always more than enough. Do you remember Elisha and the widow's oil? The creditors had come and they had taken all of her furniture and everything. They couldn't, she couldn't pay the debt. And they were threatening to take her children into slavery and make them forcibly work off the debt. And he said, well, what do you have left in the house you can sell? She said, I ain't got nothing but a little jar of oil. They took everything. And he said, well, bring it to me. And he said, I want you to go borrow as many large vessels, large containers as you can find. Go to every neighbor. Go to every friend. Go to everybody you've ever done business with. And borrow as many large containers as you can. And then take that little oil that you got and pour it out. She said, I ain't got enough oil to fill those containers. She said, or the prophet said, God's going to make that oil more than enough. 
And as she began to pour out that little, that little jar of oil and fill those containers, she filled every single container to the brim. And then he said, go sell it all, pay your debt. Check it out. And you and your sons live on the rest. There was more than enough. You remember, you remember Jesus standing out in that desert place, ministering to 5,000 men, not counting women and children. If you average one woman and one child for every man, you got 15,000 people there. And they said, we need to send these people home to get them something to eat. Jesus said, well, what do we have on hand? They said, we ain't got nothing but five loaves of bread and two small fish. And Jesus started breaking that bread and fish and multiplying it. And he fed all those 15,000 people until they were full. But he didn't stop there. They had to take up 12 basketfuls of leftovers. Because when God does it, it is always more than enough. I want to tell you, the last thing miracles are coupled with, they're always coupled with more than enough. You may not have enough this morning. You may not have enough love. You may not have enough peace in your home. You may not have enough resources. You may not have enough opportunities. You may be a person like in the past, you're used to your phone going off all the time. Opportunities everywhere. Things happen. And, and when you're a person like that and the phone goes quiet and opportunities go quiet, it can be so frustrating down on the inside. You may not have enough right now. But the Spirit of the Lord impressed upon me this morning to come here and tell you, whoever you are, whatever brought you here, whatever circumstances had you come through these gates this morning, I want to tell you that more than enough is on its way to you. More than enough is on its way to your family. More than enough is on its way to the coming year. Your 2019 will be marked by this characteristic. You will have more than enough. Stand on your feet and give the Lord a hand clap of praise if you receive the word. My last scripture is in Ezekiel chapter 34, verse 26. The scripture says, and this is God speaking through the prophet, he says, And I will make them and the places around my hill a blessing. Everyone say this. In fact, put your hand on your neighbor and say this to him. God's going to make you a blessing. Didn't say God's going to give you a blessing. God's going to make you a blessing. Meaning you'll be so blessed, you'll have the ability to be a blessing to other people. Meaning you'll be so fed that you have the ability to feed other people. Meaning you'll be so secure and confident that you'll have the ability to instill security and confidence in other people. I'm going to make you a blessing. And I will cause the shower to come down in its season and there will be showers of blessing. Can y'all put that on the screen upstairs, Ezekiel 34, 26? I just want them to see it in case they don't have, so I don't want them to have to go off my word. Look at that. I will make them and the places around, 
about my hill of blessing. I will cause the shower to come down in its season. There shall be. Ooh, I like it when you say that. There shall be. It sounded to me like you just prophesied over your next year. There shall be. Can you see that in your mind? When you close your eyes and you go into the theater of your imagination, can you just see a year where there's just showers? <laughs> showers of blessing. You serve a God who's a miracle worker. And he wants to show you he's the same yesterday, today, forever. You're in position to receive a miracle if you're stressed, going through a whole lot of mess, dealing with the unexpected, frustrated, needing information and strength that you don't have. That's a sign that you're positioned to receive it. Would you bow your heads? Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, you see every need. You see every concern. You see every relationship that's strained. You see every bank account that's strained. You see every person in here struggling. You know all of the health conditions and heart conditions and mental conditions. You know it all. God, I'm asking you today in the name of Jesus Christ to give peace to your people and to give the blessing that comes on people who believe the word and who believe the promise, as Elizabeth said to Mary. I pray that that blessing would come upon them now and strengthen them. I speak an anointing of strength and your amazing grace from the crown of their head to the sole of their feet. May they be empowered and strengthened, spirit, soul, and body. And Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, let there be showers. Oh, I feel that. Let there be showers. Let there be showers of blessing. In Jesus' name, give the Lord a great hand clap all over the house.